U.S. officials this morning are praising the quick work of this computer security programmer in Indiana, Darian Huss, and a counterpart in Great Britain, who analyzed the hackers' messages demanding ransom and stumbled onto a kill switch that shut down the massive attack in its tracks. Amit Serper had a few hours to waste on Tuesday night when his dad told him about this new ransomware he heard about on the news. So Serper got a copy of the ransomware from a cybersecurity website and began poking around. In 19 lines of deconstructed code in the ransomware, Serper found a way to prevent the ransomware from encrypting the computer, what he calls a temporary vaccine, by creating a simple file. I joined the security industry just to be with them, the coolest guys, ethical hackers, security researchers. There was an awe about them, it still is. College kids thought about them as some kind of superheroes who were doing something magical. My first brush with security researchers was during 2007 when I joined McAfee Labs or as it was called then AWART Labs or Antivirus Emergency Response Team. This group's job was to research existing virus, malware, trojan, worm types, release signatures and countermeasures. Part of the group also projected future attack surface and malware possibilities. At this time, much of the software was commercial off the shelf, something not owned by you. It was a race between security researchers or hackers to figure out zero-day vulnerabilities in commercial software like Windows, Oracle Database, etc. Fast forward to 2020, as I discussed in my previous podcast, many large companies now have custom software driving their businesses. Now the bulk role of security researchers is to create those custom and generic rules, policies that can discover vulnerabilities in these custom softwares. Some of them also perform code audits to manually review software or vulnerabilities. Even rare are those who have performed all of these roles. Today's my guest is Nico Schmitz, lead security researcher at ShiftLeft. Nico has been a penetration tester, code auditor, and now reviews thousands of code fragments every day to generate unique insights to discover vulnerabilities, issues, and has a very good view about how code is being written and how vulnerable it is. This is Sources and Sinks, and you're listening to your host, Alok. Hello, Nico. What is the most difficult part that you find while analyzing software code? I would say it's pretty much language dependent. And uh, at the moment, it is Scala and, and JavaScript who gives me the most headache. So they are sometimes pretty hard to read and it takes time to follow the data flow. So, Nico, tell us about your process. How do you go about analyzing software code? 
Yeah, it really depends on how much time I have. If uh, I'm short on time, I'm going for low-hanging fruits like XXE or SQL injection, maybe XSS, um, things that you tend to find often in, uh, still tend to find often customer code. Um, obviously, I'm only looking for SQL injections if there's only if there's a database component or XXE if there's some parsing going on. Yeah, if I have more time, I'm looking for more complex vulnerabilities, and for this, I have to understand the structure uh, of the application, meaning how is the data passing through, what's the purpose of the application. So, what kind of tools do you use to examine the code and then create your scripts and policies and whatnot you do? Actually, I'm um, using our own tool, Ocular, most of the time. Um, I used to, I'm also using other tools, but Ocular gives me the possibility to like reason about large code bases. Um, it was a problem in my previous uh, work situation and um, where I have like huge amount of code and not enough time. And I really wished for something like Ocular actually where I can query for information, not searching for it, not grabbing and grabbing and grabbing again, but just uh, firing some queries and uh, yeah, having my uh, experience baked into scripts, which I can reuse. What are the top issues that you see repeated? SQL injections, XSS, they still happen. Big companies, small companies, it, it almost doesn't matter. I mean, they still tend to happen. Digitalization is also a big issue for Java. Um, and we are, and also as a researcher, I mean, every researcher has its favorites and uh, likes to look for certain things. And I like to look for um, HTTP errors, especially for me, it feels like um, developers tend to forget about them, not parsing them correctly or um, simply not evaluating them. Give me an example of uh, what are the common mistakes developers make on headers. Sometimes, I mean, developers used to forget about validating or uh, escaping headers, uh, meaning if they're like, sometimes they are parsing headers or checking if they're not null, but they tend to forget about checking if the header is actually an IP, not only containing uh, like dangerous code, like payload, but also mm -hmm. if there's if there should be an IP, like you should validate if. Okay, so what would be your recommendation to developer? For me, it feels like uh, developers should use the tools that are around. There are many open source tools um, that enable you to scan your application, uh, linter, uh, like static analysis tools, which we also offer as open source tool, um, uh, like SQL maps, scan your website as soon as you have deployed it or in a staging environment. I mean, actually, you can catch a lot of uh, low-hanging fruits with scanners. So let's move to a different topic. I know you have been a penetration tester in your past, and you also have been a code auditor in your past life. I'm sure you have very interesting stories to tell. Every security re researcher or pen tester will uh, have a few good stories. 
I cannot tell what the name of the company or a few years back before she left, I was working on a contract um, to pen as a web application of an international clothing company and the application required me uh, to create a login, but kind of was kind of was missing in capture. So um, I was able to uh, send automated requests and luckily from a tester point of view, the application also gave me a feedback. So something like when I, when I try to create an account, first name at Google.com, let's let's just, just pick a random name. I'm just uh, trying to register an email and it's responding to me. Yeah, uh, the email address is already uh, in use. Mm-hmm. So I was able to kind of harvest the application, like uh, harvest all the customer email addresses. Um, and I was like, first thing I did was like getting a name uh, dictionary and try everything uh, I can find at Google, at Yahoo, at um, mm-hmm. all the major uh, email provider. Mm-hmm. After a while, I had a pretty good list of potential customers i mean this is not a real dangerous um, major issue mm-hmm. um, i was able to send a password reminder to the email addresses i already uh, harvested but i was also able to control the parts of the password reset links so i was able to redirect them to my own server so i was able to exploit the trust of the company send the customer a trusted email, a password reminder or reset email with a manipulated link I sent them and was able to redirect them to my own server and thus harvest more uh, of their actual credentials, meaning actual passwords and stuff. Wow. That's a very scary scenario and very concerning. But I'm also sure that you had many amusing movements. At least tell us about one of them. One of one of the moments was actually um, it was a also a pen test for a contractor and I was I was testing an application and usually it takes some time until you find something uh, first you need to get a high level overview of the application or web page or whatever you're testing but this pen test was slightly different um, we had like after like seven minutes we had we found a SQL injection. And we used some tools to extract the database. And as, as we were like pulling out the data, suddenly our tool stopped and reported errors. And we were like, mm-hmm. oh, what's going on? What, what is happening? And then we figured out that, that the SQL injection was not working anymore. But it was only one particular SQL injection. We found multiple SQL injections, but at this very place, there's only one parameter who stopped working and we were wondering why, what's going on. We asked um, the customer returned with the response. He said, yeah, the administrator, like not a developer, but network admin uh, fixed this application like at this particular place because the network traffic was too high. And we were like, okay. Uh, it was kind of funny to see that they fixed their security just because of the high bandwidth usage, not because of the security risks. Wow. So that's amusing, but uh, that's pretty disturbing at the same time. So, Nico, it was great talking to you. Uh, Thank you for joining the podcast. Alok, thanks.